regular people are taking their knowledge and content, packaging it up in an online course, and they're making a living doing it. But not everyone is successful with online courses. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And I'm here to help course creators actually succeed with online courses. Hi, I'm Jacques Hopkins, and this is the Online Course Show. And off we go. Welcome aboard. Glad you're with us. I am your host, Jacques Hopkins, and here with me is our co-host as well. What's going on, Dr. K? Oh, I'm doing fantastic here. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, I feel a little unprepared, to be honest with you, because normally I've got a good amount of notes. I like, I'm a planner. I'm a planner, right? And I don't have many today because today's episode was was your idea. You've, you've come to the table with plenty of, of ideas for even whole episodes before. And, uh, and, and it's, it's a nice little, little break because you're kind of in the driver's seat here. So, man, w- what's going on? And tell us what we're going to learn about today. Ah, well, I mean, what you talked about planning, um, what I, what I'm excited to share with everybody is a talk that I hope truly changes some lives, essentially a goal setting, vision board, resolution type exercise that people can actually sit down, they can listen through it once and then maybe sit down in a quiet space and, and actually plan out what they want the next couple of years of their life to look like and just make big changes. Man, it so. sounds good. Like what, what, give me the backstory of this. Like, is this something you've come up with all on your own? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting story. So, um, again, you know, my thing, uh, my, my online course is how to do lunch and learns for chiropractors and other professions. And, uh, my first lunch and learn was like how to stay young the first 100 years. Then I did one called four stretches for a pain-free day. And these businesses, they wanted me to come back each year and keep talking to them. And so I was like, I'm going to do a talk on how to reduce stress and how to manage stress. And my first thought uh, was that I was going to be sharing like meditation tips, uh, some stretching routines, some self-talk. I mean, basically, what's the post-it note that you put up on your mirror that's like, you are a good person, you try hard. And as I thought about that stress talk, I reflected back. So when I was a junior in college, I was getting a coaching minor. I was considering becoming a full-time swim coach as a career. And I ended up in a class called Dynamics of Human Development. And I had to give a presentation with my friend, Buddy. And we chose the topic, how to raise kids' self-esteem. And when we first picked that topic, we thought it was going to be all the things that teachers need to tell kids, encourage them. You know, you're a good kid, you try hard. And then ways that, that teachers would uh, coach uh, coach parents to say say the same types of things, these encouraging words. And we started digging into the research and we learned that that kind of talk is a load of crap. It's like worthless. As far as like picture for a second here that, you know, that Jacques here is, uh, he's 10 years old. You know, he's he's not passing his classes at school. You know, kids chubby. make fun of him. A little chubby. He's a little chubby. Kids make fun of him because uh, the only songs he knows how to play on piano uh, are like classical <laughs> songs that no one even recognizes. I mean, he's getting given wedgies in the locker room. And he comes home one day and his mom is like, you know, how, how'd your day at school go? And little Jacques, he says, you know, it's terrible. And his mom says, well, you know, you're a good kid. You try hard. It's like, what would you do? You'd roll your eyes, right? I mean, you'd be like, mom, my life sucks. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. have any friends. I'm not passing my classes. And this so, is what I get for trying hard. Seriously. Right. Exactly. 
And so what the research says is that this low self-esteem is caused by lack of control. And so if you want to raise a kid's self-esteem, it's not something you say to them. It's giving them this clear action plan that helps them take control of their life. And then when they have control, you know, when little Jacques has friends, when he's playing songs that kids actually recognize and they're crowded around him on the piano, it's like all of a sudden the kid doesn't have low self-esteem. And so, again, this is back in 2012, maybe 2013. But as I was planning to do a talk on stress, I was like, you know, what we call low self-esteem in kids. When we're an adult, we're standing in front of the mirrors, looking into our eyes, and we're just like, I feel stressed. It's almost like this exact synonym for that low self-esteem in kids. And once we say that, then how do you fix that stressed feeling? It's like there's not, there's not the post-it note on the mirror, right, that says you're trying hard. It's like you actually have to change your life. And so at that point, I was like, all right, well, like, what are our steps to really take control of our life, um, experience less stress as a result? So it's it's interesting because you have had your course for for years now, a couple of years, and I've always known that you helped other chiropractors and, and now you've branched out to other wellness professionals to to get more business, get more clients through lunch and learns, right? And I, I know mm-hmm. what lunch and learns are from my time as an electrical engineer. We'd have these people come in and uh, and talk about their their products, their different you know, hardware, little devices that, that, you know, we as engineers would program and whatnot. But I don't know if I've ever thought to, to ask you like, hey, what types of things are you even talking about, David, in these yeah. lunch and learn? So that's, that's some new insights on, on my side. I know typically chiropractors are, are just big into overall wellness, right? Not just mm-hmm. alignments, but helping people with stress, uh, anxiety, um, you know, doing things like meditation. And so this falls right in line with, with, you know, who, what I know about you as a person, I just never thought about, okay, what is he actually talking about at these lunch and learn? So it sounds like this is this particular thing where you're talking about how to, how to eliminate certain stressful things in your life by planning and control. That's, this is something that you've done in, in the lunch and learn setting, which is what you teach about many times before. Exactly. Yeah. And in, this is the most fun one. I mean, people get this like starry eyed look in their eyes. Again, like years after giving this talk, uh, this random lady walked up to me in tears and said, you know, this talk you gave on goal setting, she's like, I realized that was when I decided I was going to change my career. You know, I gave her this awkward hug. So this this talk, I mean, it can change your life if you let it. So uh, the one thing I'll say, I mean, a portion of this talk is going to feel really off topic from courses. Um, <laughs> like you said, a holistic view. If you ask me what's the single most important thing in business and kind of in life in general, the one single word is momentum. You know, I mean, if your business or if your life is going the wrong direction, it can take intense action to change that momentum. But what I'd say, and I've observed in a lot of people's lives is like, momentum can start at any spot in your life and then it can trickle over to all these other things. So, so I mean, if we look at your situation, Jacques, um, we would say that you being here today as an online course guru and, and changing all these people's lives around the world, one of the critical steps was a personal finance decision where you and your wife paid off your house. Without that step, you wouldn't necessarily be here today as, as the online course guy. Yeah, you can. Uh, I've definitely recognized that you can apply uh, certain things to one area of your life to other, other completely unrelated um, ways. Momentum's a good word for it. I mean, that's a pretty big example you just brought up. Is that you know that I might still be working my job, 
And none of this would have happened if I had never, say, paid off my mortgage. And I didn't foresee all of this, but you know, we had a, we had a plan. We knew that we wanted uh, certain freedoms that existed when you didn't owe anybody any money, including on your house. Um, but even little things, man. So let me give you a smaller example. Like when there's times where I do, have you ever done a like cold shower? Uh, no, terrible idea. Only when I'm forced. <laughs> Come on, man. You're the you're the health you're the health and wellness guy. So My wife does it. I don't know. She does. So there's a lot of research that uh, cold um, cold therapy is very, very good for you in a lot of different ways. And the best way to do it is like an ice bath. Um, there's also these cryo chambers. But but if you want to 80-20 it, you can just take a, a cold shower a couple minutes or just kind of cycle between hot and cold. Anyway, they, I've gone through periods of doing it. I've done it for up to like a month straight of doing a cold shower every day. And let me tell you, it's painful, okay? But it it got me used to being uncomfortable, right? And I could see that going about my day and through that entire month when I did it, I could see myself more comfortable with other things in life that were on some level painful too. Some things that I just didn't want to do, I found myself more willing to do them because, hey, I took a cold shower. I can do anything, you know? Definitely. All right. So yeah. So listeners, grab a pen, find a quiet space, either now or on a second listen, you know, maybe alone, maybe with your partner. And I'd encourage you to really use this opportunity to kind of plan out what you want your life to look like. Um, I will put together a download that we can put in the show notes um, that can kind of work you through some of this. All right. So let's jump into these four steps to eliminate stress and take control of your life. So step one, I'm going to have you rate your stressors. So you could write down on a sheet of paper these four different main categories of your life. So relationships, health, finances, and career. And I want you just to take a second here and rate each of those on a zero to 10 scale as far as how much stress they are. So zero would be no stress. 10 would be like, put me out of my misery and just put a number next to each of those. It, it, I'm guessing you want me to do this as yeah, we're talking it. about it. Okay, yep. I'm, ri- I'm writing this down over here. All right, so relationships, you, health, finances, career. You always hear about like the three, uh, like health, wealth, and relationships, right? So you're kind of mm-hmm. adding a fourth one of career, which, okay, because it could kind of fall into, fina- into finances uh, to an extent, but I guess you're breaking that out. Mm-hmm. All right. So what most people are going to see is that right away, there's like one or two of these categories that are, you know, way higher than the rest. And uh, you want to share which one jumps out as the highest on yours, Jacques? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say, uh, I would say, career is probably top for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've got me a, too. I've got a pretty low low stress job here. I mean, I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing, but I could imagine that that one's probably low on a lot of people's lists too. But that's it. Sounds like, but you said yours is high for career as well. Um, yeah, I would say, I would say, at some point here, I need to add another doctor to my practice and and just kind of like right on that edge of where. You know, I want to do it, but I want to be all set. So, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. And then finances is right there. Relationships is right there as well. My lowest is probably health. Gotcha. All right. So step two is going to be to paint the picture of your stress-free life. So think about two to five years down the road. What do you want your life to look like? And I would say start with the highest stress areas. So look at that one that's the highest, the career, and say, what do you want your career your your finances to look like two to five years down the road. And obviously included in this, I'd say include any goals and like these bucket list activities that you say, okay, two or five years down the road, what do you want to have checked off your list? And so 
I'll give you a few of these statements that, that I would have you write down, uh, statements similar to this. So I don't have to check my bank account five times a day to make sure my husband doesn't cause an overdraft. I'm in a loving, fulfilling relationship. I go skiing in Colorado every winter. I'm as thin as I'd like to be. I look forward to a weekly date night. Credit card payments don't make me sick to my stomach. I love my job. My mortgage is my only payment and it'll be paid off in a year. Headaches don't keep me from quality time with my family. I have a plan to retire with dignity and a large nest egg. And I have a thriving course and membership community. <laughs> I bet when you when you gave these talks in person, that one wasn't in there. <laughs> that wasn't on there, no. So yeah, I mean, when I'm in person, I actually am totally silent for like a minute and a half and people just write out a few of these things. Man, that's that's great. A couple a couple that come to mind, you know, I've I um I put on the uh the old quarantine fifteen. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So what what caused it? What, man. What was the guilty pleasure? Well, not going to the gym, right? Okay. And, and you know, we talked about momentum earlier. It's for me, like if I'm going to the gym, it's easier to eat healthily, right? And if I'm not, like it's it's kind of good. Some people, when they go to the gym, they feel like that's a, a card to be able to eat whatever they want. I'm the opposite. Like I'm either doing 20 healthy things in a day or, or none, right? And so it's important for me to get the day off to a good start. You know, if I have an unhealthy breakfast, then the day is just shot. That's just what I've recognized about myself. And so I got into a really good gym routine, working it through my day, five days a week. And then, you know, lockdowns happened COVID in March and couldn't go to the gym anymore. And I really haven't been back since. So, you know, not to make excuses, but that's, that's the the big thing for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for me, it's just, uh, again, it's this concept that right now, you know, physically, I have to be present, taking care of patients for my main job. And that's kind of a, it creates stress because I'm just so critical to my family's financial stability. And so getting another doctor on, number one, would create that stability, decrease stress. And then number two, um, that would free me up to work on things that I'm passionate about, put more effort into the courses. I've got other ideas. I'm a little bit like Nate. I've got an idea for a YouTube channel and I've got, I have an idea for a podcast that probably I there they I couldn't do them all but I think I could have these other passionate things that I'd be passionate about. Yeah, well, you know, things like you bringing on another doctor would be huge in your uh, in your practice, but if you bring on the wrong one, that's even more stress than not having them at all. So it's very important that you you do the proper vetting and whatnot and hopefully it can serve that and make things less stressful and not more. Yeah, well, Jacques, that leads right into my uh, next step. So step number three is to hack your stressors and your goals. And so, I mean, just time and again in life, I see where what seems like the obvious best answer is not. But I mean, in today's day and age, we have unlimited access to dig into what actually works on the internet and just find out what is the crowdsource best practices by people that actually geek out and try to fix their lives. Reading books, obviously the best example of the books uh, at, at an overall level would be four-hour work week, four-hour body. I mean, like that guy, he says, yeah, you think this is the best way to do something, but but is it? Let's actually test the hypothesis. Talk to people who have had success. So finding a mentor, finding that exact person that's three steps ahead of you that had the exact same problem that you had and just talking to them, you know, like Nate said back on his most recent visit, he said he had an idea to start like an, an actual plant business in his town. 
And he's like, before I would do that, I would find people doing exactly what I'm doing. I want to do in the same size town and call them. He's like, I'd pay them $100 an hour to just tell me what the mistakes were, what the best practices were. You know, I mean, the deal is if you if you keep making a, a cake and every time it comes out of the oven, it looks terrible and tastes bad. Like, what are you going to do? That reminds me of that. Reminds you got to change of, the recipe, right? <laughs> well, yeah, sorry. Yeah, you don't want to just keep, keep doing it. But uh, that reminds me of Andrew, uh, the 18 year old from from Next Level Courses, who we've talked about many times here. He, um, you know, not not to toot my horn, but he he saw that I was doing things that he wanted to be doing, right? Teaching people music, right? He he has a guitar, and he modeled his entire business and funnel off of mine. He calls his packages the same thing, and that's that's it's great. Working. It's and it's, it's working. working. It's working. Yeah. You know what? Now that it's working, he can probably tweak cer- certain things, and he can try things that he thinks about ideas that he's got. But now that he's got it working, it's so much less stressful to try to get it to to work. Now he's just got to keep making it better and better and better. Okay, so step number four is going to be to use effective goal setting to take control of your life. And so uh, with effective goal setting, I mean, there's the whole SMART acronym. So specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. The two things that I find to be most important is in setting goals. Um, So first off, I would say that effective goal setting is focused and intense. So again, I mean, you you rate your stressors, you find one area is the problem, then you paint this picture of where you want that problem to be. I mean, for a period of time, putting all your energy into improving that spot can have a huge effect. Um, my favorite quote on this is by this uh, guy. He's a football coach. I don't know. You might have heard of him, Jock. Uh, his name is Vince Lombardi. <laughs> and... Uh, have you heard of him? <laughs> yeah, I know a thing or two about Vince Lombardi. Yes, okay. I'm the so, sports guy. You're not. <laughs> that's that's right. So I don't I don't follow sports at all. But uh, the story, as I understand it, is that Vince Lombardi had this amazing amount of success during a time when a lot of the other football coaches were developing these really complicated playbooks. And Vince Lombardi, he just had this really small number of plays, but they ran them just flawlessly on a consistent basis. And he had this amazing record. Uh, Jacques would know more about that. He was being interviewed and somebody said, you know, why don't you have more plays, so to speak? And he said, you know, it's hard to be aggressive when you're confused. It's hard to be aggressive when you're confused. And I mean, I don't think there's a better quote for the life that we live in. I mean, we have so many distractions. When you really are in a bad place or when you really want to reach a goal, it's time to take that attitude and just really focus on that most important goal. There's a couple examples of that in the podcast. Obviously, Jacques and Nate, uh, you guys did a review of the book, The One Thing, back in episode seven and eight. And uh, kudos to you, Jacques. I mean, that's an episode that I'll go back and listen to. I bet every six months, uh, I put it in my top 10 podcast episodes I've heard. So Wow, thank you. (laughs) That is a valuable episode. So episode seven and eight of this uh, online course show podcast, where you guys talk about the one thing. Um, the other example, this Stephanie Taylor's episode with yeah. one, episode 144, you know, Stephanie said when she was really wanted to reach a goal, she'd go on one of these green juice retreats and just hammer out a project over a few days. And, uh, you know, here she is with this super successful online course podcast, you know, dream business. So I was trying to write this out. Remind me of that quote from uh, Vince Lombardi. It's hard to be aggressive when when you're confused. When you're confused, I like that a lot. 
because I've been, you know, the more the time that passes, the more big I am into simplicity. So I really resonate with with that. I didn't know that that's one of Vince Lombardi's things was fewer plays but done well. And that's, you know, that's my thing. One really good funnel, right? One really good course. You know, you see these people that have, you know, 20 courses and they're, they're all very inexpensive and they don't really have much of a funnel. And you can, in a lot of cases, make a lot more money and help a lot more people by by simplifying way down one course, one offer. That's, that's something I, I try to help people with in next level courses a lot is I look at their business. I'm like, man, this is confusing. Like if I'm, if I'm visiting your website, if I'm a potential customer, this is just way too confusing for me. I've got, there's these seven different courses and I, I don't know which one I would be a fit for if any of them. And so I try to get people to get down as close to one funnel and one offer as possible. And then um, the other thing I wanted to mention, just for a little context for you as a non-sports guy, Vince Lombardi, um, you know, are you you familiar with like the Super Bowl? You know what that is? Like the the, the winner, the Super Bowl is what you win uh, in the NFL. The trophy you get for winning the Super Bowl is the Lombardi trophy. (laughs) Okay. No, I wouldn't have known that. (laughs) The trophy is named after him. I did look up. He, He was a Green Bay coach, correct? Yes, he was the yeah. Green Bay coach. You know, I had, I had I a cousin. I have a cousin who um, started this uh, big construction company uh, about ten years ago, and I remember when it was just in its infancy. He would, uh, I would, would talk to him, and he would watch this documentary, or um, yeah, I guess documentary is the right word about Vince Lombardi. He'd watch it like every week. He said, "Dude, it's the most motivating thing." Like I, I watch it, and then I just go in and I crush it at work. It was just his story no was way. so inspiring. For my cousin, he just really resonated with that huge guy, but you know, played football, and yeah, it's it's really inspiring to hear uh, stories like that. And I just, I really, really love that quote, and I appreciate you sharing it. It's hard to be aggressive when you're confused. I think we can use that in marketing. All right, well, hey, can you track down that uh, that exact movie and share that in the show notes? Yeah, let, let, uh, I'll do cousin. my best to do that. Yep. Okay. Uh, the other thing, effective goal setting has penalties for not getting things done. So especially. As we talk about starting a side hustle, you've actually retired from your career and you're doing courses on full time. You know, this is a technique that I learned from you, Jacques, is just this concept of actually putting a penalty in place if you don't accomplish the goal, whether it's $100 that you have to pay your friend, just calling up a friend and saying, hey, if I don't get this job done, I'm going to give you $100. You know, we've talked in the past that you could do something kind of funny. You could you can make a commitment that if you don't get a, something done, you're going to have to give $100 to an organization that you can't stand. So joked about the Westboro Baptist Church. That's this terrible organization that like boycotts at, at funerals. If you said, if I don't get this important goal done, I have to send $100 to them. I mean, that's going to keep you motivated to get that goal done. Yeah. So I've got some updated thoughts on the penalty goals, by the way. Oh, yeah. How's it going? Are you having to pay? Are you have to pay Nate more often? No, I haven't set a penalty goal in a, in a few months, honestly, a couple months. Really? Yeah, and and, and real quick, I the this uh this documentary, it's called it's just called simply Lombardi. It was on HBO uh literally 10 years ago. It, was, it came out in 2010, um and we'll link to it in the show notes. So, uh you know, Nate's my accountability partner, right? He has been for for years and uh we do these penalty goals. We've talked about it many times. That's what you just brought up. But ever since hiring uh, Colleen and, and growing my team, I haven't felt the need to do that. And my thought is that when you don't have anybody else holding you accountable, you need things like penalty goals to uh, 
to build that in. And I still highly recommend doing them if you don't have anybody else holding you accountable. But Colleen, you know, she's she's essentially in charge of operations for my whole business now. And if I don't get something done, I need to get done. She's all over me, which is nice. great, which is what Perfect. I need, right? So we plan together. We, we figure out what I and the business need to do over the next week, month, quarter, year, and so on. We have a plan. And before her, like I had plans before her, but if I didn't execute on those plans, there was nobody holding me accountable. Nobody. And so I would have to go to Nate and be like, look, Nate, I need to get this done by this date. And if I don't, I'm going to pay you $100 or more, right? But so I haven't felt the need to do that since, since having her on board. Did you do some where you put more than $100? Um, I think there was, there was a couple, maybe one where it was, it was like five different things I needed to get done all within the same project. So each one was 100 And there okay. was a couple of times where we had to do kind of double or nothing. But for the most part, we just did $100. Okay, gotcha. All right. Do you have any other things that are most important when you set goals? Well, I wanted to ask you about this a little bit, and I'm curious about time framing in general because you, you mentioned smart goals, and the and the T is is time frame. But typically, um, you know, like over here, I, I know listeners can't see me right now, but over here, I have my 2020 goals posted that I posted just before the the year started, and I did that last year as well. I posted right above my my monitor. And so the biggest goal setting I do is, is yearly, but what is your recommendation on if our main goal should be yearly, quarterly, weekly, daily? What do you think? Well, I mean, they're definitely, I mean, I think that a lot of people should be looking at the two to five year point and saying, you know, I, I know that when I first did this, this ex- exercise, I mean, I was kind of down in a hole, especially financially. And it wasn't going to be better in, in months. It was going to be a multi-year process. And so a lot of us have things that, yeah, it's a two to five year time period to really change your life. Um, as far as how far you, how often you reevaluate. Yeah. I mean, essentially daily, weekly, monthly would be best. Am I great at that all the time? No, not necessarily, but I will say just that, that idea of focusing on that one biggest thing. I mean, that's, that's a little bit more where I'm at when I really want to make progress. And then yeah. some of the other things kind of fall by the wayside for a bit. Yeah. And look, it's, it's November right now, man. And I have not accomplished all these goals. There's six things up here. Um, fortunately, I would say the top one, uh, I certainly have accomplished, but, but about half of them I haven't. And I haven't, I probably haven't done a great job of reevaluating these goals as we move on. I mean, it's the exact same piece of paper that's been up there. And there's a couple of them that aren't as relevant even anymore, right? And I think that there's a lot of very successful business owners, people that I follow and look up to that do things on a quarterly basis. Like they'll meet before a quarter happens and like plan out the whole quarter and then execute on it the whole quarter. And I think there's a lot of power in that. I need to look into that more. I know that's something that Colleen wants to be doing as well and and starting to a little bit. But I think from what I've seen on the outside, I think quarterly planning and goals is pretty powerful. Exactly. And that is something you have to actually put it on the calendar so that otherwise, I mean, time just goes so fast. But along those lines of really timelining where you want to be in these specific, uh, when you want to get the smaller steps done and when you're going to reach the bigger steps, I'll have a worksheet in this uh, download that you can get through the show notes or over in the online course community Facebook group. And it takes you through every step. So 
at the conclusion of this, you know, you sit down and you say, okay, clearly my biggest goal, my biggest stress point that I need to fix is this thing. You're going to work through that. And you might do two or three of those and, and put these exact timelines on that. So what I'd like to jump into next is uh, basically Jacques and I just sharing some of the hacks, um, these things that we found in our life that actually worked. Jacques, you already shared one, which is cold showers. Um, I didn't know that that was something that you did, but I'd like to hear just uh, you know how how you basically have made your life as good as possible. And uh, so I wanted to start with relationships, just this category of relationships. And I'll go ahead and start by sharing just uh, a, a couple little hacks on how to find your ideal soulmate. So again, <laughs> a little bit off topic. Some of these you're going to hear and then you might say, yeah, it does actually kind of apply to a course. So uh, this really wise, wise, wise older guy, he was told me the story a while back, long before I met Val. And he said that he had two sons. And when each son turned 18, he had them sit down and he said, I'm going to have you make four lists. And the first list he had them write out. He said, I want you to write down everything you look for in your, your life partner, your, your spouse. And so they made that whole list. And then he said, okay, I want you to look really closely at that. I want you to imagine that that ideal soulmate is sitting there and they're making their list of what they look for in their soulmate. And he's like, that's the second list. Write down everything they're looking for. So they finish that list. Then he says, okay, the third list is going to be what do you need to do to become the person that you just described in that list number two? So what classes do you need to take? Is, is there some incongruence in how you dress, uh, your financial situation? What do you need to do to become the ideal person for who you just described? And then he says, okay, the fourth list is where are you going to meet that person? And uh, write it out. Where are all the persons? Where are all the places that that person is hanging out? And uh, you know, this is goal setting for finding love. But you know, I was single. Uh, you know, two thousand nine, and I sat there and I made the list. And the first three were pretty clear. But then I got to the where am I going to meet this person? And again, I'm a chiropractor. I'm like not going to meet it at my team as as far as staff. No patience. And I'm like, you know. Looking back up past relationships, I'm like the main places that would be be natural for me to meet one of these ladies would be yoga classes or the dog park. <laughs> Just because I, I'm generally going to connect with somebody that's a more natural, holistic person. But I remember just thinking like, I would look terrible in some Lululemon spandex. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the idea of trying to hit on a lady at the end of a yoga class, I'm like, that ah, just is not going to work. And then my dog at the time, uh, his name was George, but he was a super aggressive dog. So I remember just looking at George across the room and just totally giving him the hairy eyeball because I'm like, the dog park would be a perfect place to meet my ideal woman. Uh, but here my dog would end up attacking their dog. It's like I'd have to get a second dog just to uh, to meet a woman. Um, the one thing that I would say, like I shared that at these at these actual talks. And uh, somebody came up to me afterwards, or she actually came as an, in as a patient and she said, you know, I have a husband, I'm set there, but she's like, I don't have any actual female friends. And she said, I'm going to do that exercise. And she said, I can see like, I'm not spending time in the place where my kindred spirits are hanging out. And she's like, I'm going to find friends. Um, the third thing is that if you look at um, Russell Brunson's and his traffic secrets, his idea of, of finding your dream 100, mm -hmm. very similar process to this. So did you meet your wife at a dog park? 
No. <laughs> I thought that's where we were going with this. <laughs> no, no. After doing that, I was like, it's going to have to be online dating. So, yeah, it, it would have to be online dating. And actually, that does lead into, I was going to make another, another little interesting uh, advice for anybody who's out there single. After doing this exercise, I was like, I'm going to have to do online dating. And so I, I joined a few different sites and I set up this date and it was like this entire evening planned, went and met the lady. And within five minutes, I'm like, oh no, like this was terrible because I got like a five hour you know, thing planned here and I won out already. And so I told my friend Matt and Matt was like, dude, you never plan an entire evening. You got to plan the online date first date. And I was like, what's that? And, uh, he said, he said, that's where you like, tell them that you want to meet for coffee at like four o'clock. And, uh, you know, you just meet for coffee and you tell them you have to meet some other people at like six. And so there's, there's a deadline. He says, if it goes great, then you plan a real date. If it doesn't go great, then, you know, you're only out an hour. And I was like, okay. So I did that for like all these dates and it was a big mistake because these dates felt like an interview. And at the end of the hour, I'd be like, I don't know if I want to see this this person again. I'd be like, just kind of be like awkward. I'd be like, well, maybe I'll see you around. Um, <laughs> so anyways, I was like, this is not working. I started listening to the Art of Charm podcast. Mm-hmm. Yep. You've listened to that before? Yeah, yeah. It's I, I think it is still around, but Jordan Harbinger, right? And who's, yeah. not, who's not part of it anymore. He's got his own podcast right. now, Har- Jordan Harbinger show. Right, Art of Charm, Jordan Harbinger. And somewhere on there, this guy was saying, he's like, even if you just do that coffee date, he's like, you have to bring, you have to have something that builds chemistry, some activity that can build a connection. And this guy said that he actually brought a connect for playing game. And he'd be like, he'd plan an online date and he'd be like, oh, and by the way, you're going to get your butt kicked at connect for. And, you know, the next date I like, uh, uh, the, the lady actually said that she liked playing board games, but I brought a Scrabble board. And, uh, the date had so much more chemistry. So when I met Val, it was actually, the idea was we met outside a coffee shop and then we were going to get coffee and then go for a walk around the sculpture park. And, uh, the rest is history, but nicely done. That, that reminds me of, of this very podcast and finding guests for the podcast, because, you know, my, my assistant, Emily is the primary person that kind of does research and sees who might be a good fit. Obviously, I've got other connections too, and I usually ask for guests of the podcast for recommendations too. But I'm I'm always trying to find new people to to come on, interview other successful course creators in, in all kinds of niches. And what I found was, you know, she would go find somebody, we would agree that it seemed like a fit, and then the first time I would meet that person would be the interview, right? And I found one one thing I've been doing lately, and I don't think you know this, is I've been doing uh, more of a, a 10 minute chat to meet the person first. And then we schedule the hour podcast interview. And that's been going really well because it's not, um, it's not the first time I'm meeting that person. We already have a little bit of rapport because I was finding that it would take the first 10, 15 minutes of the hour conversation to really click and, and build that rapport. But now you're, now you're making me think that I should do like virtual connect four with the person uh, on that, yeah. on that first meeting. No. Well, and to draw a parallel to something more real to course creators, I mean, some people still want to do like a sales page and just let people buy their course. I mean, just the advantages of a funnel and, uh, you know, a sales page. The thing I'd say about those first online or the the in-person coffee dates, if you said on a scale of one to 10, with 10 being the best date that you could possibly imagine in your life, 
how good can sitting at a coffee shop be for an hour be? It's like for me, even if I was sitting across the coolest person in the world, it's still like a three out of 10 because it's just sitting there having coffee. We're not sharing an experience. And so some people want to sell a course through just this sales page. People can buy anytime. When you compare that with a funnel, I mean, again, you know, go through one of Jacques' funnels, go through his, his piano and 21 days funnel and experience that relationship that you build. I mean, again, when Jacques, let's see here, when I decided to buy Jacques' course on how to make online courses, it was $700, but I'd been following his podcast. I'd gone through his funnel, which at the time was like a, a product launch formula sequence with the videos. I was out on a bike ride on a Saturday morning at eight o'clock. I got your email. I stopped on a gravel road and gave you $700 <laughs> to join your course on online courses. I mean, you had, you had wined and dined me, Jacques, and I was ready to go. Yeah. And we hadn't, we had never spoken at that point. No. It was just my funnel doing its thing. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, funnel and just that building the relationship, huge. All right. So family, do you have any advice or any, what are your top tips on relationship with your spouse, relationship with your kids? Yeah. The, um, the biggest thing with my wife, I think is, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, but the five love languages, I think is a total game changer. And it's, uh, it's something to really 80, 20, a relationship with your significant other is you've got to at least know what each other's love languages are. It's, I think it's just important to know what your own is as your spouse's. So you can understand why you get upset or disappointed about certain things uh, versus others. And so I'm sure it's so popular now, but but I guess there, there probably are plenty of people that haven't either read it or you can just Google the five love languages and, and understand what they are. Um, but there's tools and things in the book to help you determine what yours is, what your spouse is. But that's that's always on my mind when I'm interacting with my wife because our our love languages are so different than each other. And as far as you know, as far as the kids go, you know, relationships. My biggest thing with relationships is intentionality, right? Actually, um, having intention behind the things you're doing and things you want to do. And so, things like knowing the five love languages with my wife. Well, with the kids, you know, my kids are three and five, and that, those are tough. Those are tough ages. There's a lot of there's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of you know their big thing right now is tattling. Like they're <laughs> constantly just telling them, she touched me. She did, she did this. She did like, so most of us are not just naturally good at how to handle three-year-olds and five-year-olds. And ne- you know what? Next year, there'll be four and six. And there's a whole different um, set of problems that come with that. And so learning from people that know what they're talking about, have been there before. A few months ago, I read an amazing book called How to Talk So Little Kids Will Listen and How to Listen So Little Kids Will Talk. I think there's a the original version drops the little. It was called How to Talk So Kids Will Listen, How to Listen So Kids Will Talk. And then they they came back. I think it's the original author's daughter actually wrote the the second version, which is more for two, it says on the cover, from two to seven years old. I'm like, this is perfect. <laughs> and it gave me all kinds of tips and strategies on how to deal with these little minds. And it opened, um, it just... <laughs> It opened my, uh, my, you know, if I could give you an example of, there's just so many tactics in it. And my daughter, my five-year-old was upset about something uh, a couple of weeks ago. I don't even remember, but one of the tactics in the book was to kind of like draw it, like draw what you're feeling, draw what you're thinking. It's like, it's like, oh man, that must be so rough. Can, can we like, can we draw a picture of it? And like, I would never tell my wife to do that, but that's just a tactic that works for 
that age group. And she drew this picture and we, and I sat down with her and, um, and I was like, well, what about this? What about that? And you know, 10 minutes later, we had drawn this picture and she forgot about whatever the problem was. And I would have never known to do something like that without having read this book. And I think a lot of people, when they're struggling with something or they're stressed about something, they just try to figure out completely on their own. When there's people out there, you just got to find them that, that have the solution for you. Yeah. Well, I 100% agree on those. The five love languages uh, for listeners, we actually did an entire episode focused on the five love languages for course creators. Jacques and I shared our, how it works in our own families. So that's episode 111. And uh, yeah, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that. Uh, as far as like a single rule for our household, I would say that the, the one little rule that we try to follow is be easy to impress and hard to depress. So be easy to impress and hard to depress. So, I mean, this be easy to impress, it's like, you know, Jacques, if you're there working on one of your online course projects and your daughter, Annecy, she's four years old, she's been over there like working on this picture for a long time and she brings it up to you, you know, do you say like, oh, that's nice? It's like, no, I mean, you got to be like, this is amazing. Like, Annecy, this is awesome. I'm so proud of you. And like in your head, you're like, I hope I'm holding it up right. But like, you so, know. So, you know, what's funny. Let me, let me, I know you don't have kids, uh, but. That, what you just said is actually goes against what's in this book I just mentioned. Oh, man. I don't know. Well, <laughs> you, did, you so said two things. Children. You said two things. And that's the title. It's, it's, you would never think that telling somebody their art is amazing and I'm proud of you intuitively <laughs> that that's a problem. And this, this may be controversial, but if, if you've got young kids, two to seven, I highly recommend this book. But the thought is that we as parents tell our kids they're doing like, every little thing is amazing. And it's a great job. Like I'll catch myself, like my, my three-year-old goes down the slide. I'm like, Oh, great job. It's like, because she put her booty down and, and let gravity do something like we need to save those <laughs> things for, for things that are truly amazing, truly a great job. And we're, we're building up false, like false. Um, I don't know the word self-esteem. Maybe I, I don't, that's not the right word, but um, it's, it's not genuine either. Like if it's not amazing, like don't say that it's amazing. But to your point, in the book, the, the way they, they want to, they want you to interact with that, because what'd you say? You want to impress and not depress? Be easy to impress and hard to depress. Right. So what you do, you don't want to just like blow it off. And you'd also don't want to just say it's the world's greatest piece of art. What you do is you look at it and you be like, oh my goodness, like, look at those red lines over there. Like, tell me about that. What are the, why'd you think to do this over here? Oh, wow. Okay. That's interesting. And what, what is this over here? Okay. And then, you know, what, what if you added a little more blue over here, just like really get into it like that. That's kind of how the book recommended doing it. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. Interact with, yeah, you show, you show how you impressed you are by interacting with what they're doing. Yeah. And then they can see that, you are genuinely interested in it and it opens up a conversation and it's a, it's a fun way to just get to know your kid even more as well and understand what they were thinking when they did certain things. Right now, my five-year-old is drawing things you can, you can pretty much tell what they are. My three-year-old is still doing wavy lines, but it's the same conversation either way. It's like, oh, why'd you do these lines blue and these lines pink? Tell me about that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And certainly with our wives too. I mean, it's like, you know, my wife and I have way different interests. In the last couple of days, Val, you know, we all go off on these research tangents on the internet, at least I think most of us do. And uh, she has become 
like just this researcher of the different types of wool. And so, so I, she sat there for like 45 minutes telling me about alpaca wool and yak wool. And I was just like, Oh my goodness. But you know, it's, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I actively engage and, and just share her enthusiasm on uh, these alpaca wool tights that she wants for Christmas. Well, if it, yeah, if it, if it excites her. But it's her. reciprocated as well because she does that, you know, if I come home and I'm excited, you know, she, she returns, returns out for me. Yeah. Well said. Um, the other thing that the be hard to depress, I mean, it's like, especially as parents, I think, you know, you guys can get hung up on one little thing. Like again, the tattling it's like, or, or where the kids put their shoes. It's like in the scheme of, of the, the child's life, that's not the end of the world thing. So, and certainly, yeah, in our relationship with my wife and I, it's like, you know, kind of another rule is like never let one sentence ruin a night. And so I don't know, we work on that. I stick my foot in my mouth and, and <laughs> then it takes things the wrong direction. And it's like, Oh, honey, let's, let's not let this, uh, entire evening goes mouth. Let's, let's get back on the same page. And we have mixed results of that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Um, As far as work, uh, the book for me that, that to have better relationships at work would be uh, the, how to win friends and influence people, which the biggest, the biggest takeaway with that is just, just become actively interested in, in the people around you, what they're into, you know, ask people like, Ask people that you've never really talked to very much. What's your thing? You know, what do you get excited about? What's your thing? And just learn about those people and, and you'll find that you'll enjoy, enjoy anyone you interact with more as a result. You know, that's the first self-help book I've ever read. Back in, uh, two, I think 2007, I was just going through something and I picked up two, I, I, I went on, I guess I went on Amazon maybe and I just did a little research and I bought two self-helpy type books and I'd never done that before. Okay. One was, how to win friends and influence people. And if anybody, if you've never read that, it's one of the most popular books of all time, right? Uh, Dale Carnegie, is it? Yes. And it's, it's, it's very, very old, but a lot of it still applies. You know what the second book was? Uh, Seven Habits, I guess. Four Hour Work Week. Oh, wow. Talk about a, talk about a two yeah. point or an Absolutely. Point. Books, are, books are powerful, man. Oh, man. You, and my biggest takeaway that I still use to this day from that book, the, um, the first one, the How to Win Friends and Influence People was, I forget exactly how he put it, but just remembering people's names, how important that is. Yes. And, uh, and so that's, that's really my, my wife. One of my pet peeves is when people say I'm bad at names. It's like, no, you're not bad at names. You just don't try. My wife will say that. I'm just bad at people's names. And I, I, I pride myself on remembering people's names when I meet them. Like you, the, the trick is to say their name a couple of times in the conversation. It's like, Hey, hey, I'm Jacques. Oh, hey, I'm John. Oh, hi, John. It's nice to meet you. Now, John, what you know? What brings you here? Uh, you know, you say it a couple of times, and that's what helps you remember. And then I'll see, I'll see people that I met one time, and a year later, it's not always, but I'll, I'll remember their name. And uh, my wife will be like, "How do you do that?" Uh, so that's mm. that was my biggest takeaway from that book. Yeah, the one thing that that book has such a sleazy title. I mean, there might be people out in the audience that are like, "Man, these two guys, I I used to respect <laughs> them, but now I think they're a couple of sleaze balls." If you read the book, if you read the book, like the an appropriate title, but one that wouldn't be near as as good at sales would be how to build up those around you and enjoy life more because of it. I mean, you when you follow the tactics in this book, you build people up, you make them you bring them joy, you make them happier and, and you enjoy life more because of it. And then these people 
want to reciprocate and basically, you know, they want to help you. You end up with all these loyal fans if you just put the book in action, but it's, it's not a sleazy book. You know, there's a lesson in marketing there because the title is, is totally scammy, but uh, it's sleazy. Yeah, agree. It's been many years since I've read it. So you're making me want to, to go back through it for sure. Now you were a project manager. Are there any other books? I know you've shared uh, Good to Great. Is there any other like business book that really jumps out? Good to Great. But see, here's the thing. Like, are we talking about helping you in your existing job or helping you get out of that and get into some sort of online business? Uh, I mean, the best books probably do both. But is there one that comes to mind? No, not really. I mean, good to great is good because it can it can actually help with with both areas. It's about why why some companies are just good and, and what's the difference between just good versus great companies. And so I certainly read that back when I was working trying to improve what I was doing because I, you know, I didn't own the company, but I was trying to to rise rise up the ranks. Nothing else comes to mind. I mean, as far as career, like if somebody says, "Hey, what's your what what do you recommend?" I would say, "Okay, Expert Secrets for our work week." Story brand, you know, that's that's my online course books recommendations. Yeah. So the last thing I'd mention, um, if you if you download the the handout on how to establish your goals, one of them is is there anybody that you need to handle um as far as somebody that's gonna keep you from reaching your goals? And uh so there are books. I mean, if you have somebody in your life that drags you down, keeps you from happiness, there's a book called Boundaries that Dave Ramsey recommends really highly. That one is very religious, uh, has a lot of religious stuff. So, but find that book and see what else is there. I mean, there are best practices for actually handling people that, that don't let you reach your goals. So let's jump into some health hacks. So I'd really like to share my personal story. You were talking about dropping your quarantine 15. And I think my, my little, little story about basically becoming healthy, it has some instructive value. So essentially, in 2009, I was 40 pounds heavier than I am right now. No. Yeah, I was, I was a little chunky monkey. But, um, you know, essentially, I thought I was eating a pretty good diet. Well, and that's a lot. I'm only 5'7". So how tall are you, Jock, anyway? Six feet even. No way. Boy, you thought, thought I was shorter? I thought you were 5'10". I mean, two inches. You know, I'm, I'm right at six feet, man. All right. Very good. All right. So I was frustrated here. I was trying to be a sports chiropractor and I was, I was significantly overweight, went into this other chiropractor's office. And the last time I'd seen him, he'd been overweight, looked kind of like me. And I went in there and this guy was lean and mean, asked him what he'd done. And uh, he said he'd done this thing called the standard process purification program. He's like, I dropped 21 pounds in 21 days. And then I just kept doing it. Essentially. He's like, I'm down 60 pounds. And he's like, I, I remember the quote he said, he said, you know, I feel better than I have in years. I'm running 15 miles a week. And uh, when I when I give advice to patients, he's like, it's congruent with who I am now. And so I went home, I, I researched this thing and I did it and basically had the same result. I dropped 15 pounds in 21 days, um, added in like eggs and uh, cottage cheese and dropped another 10 pounds. And uh, essentially I was down 25 pounds from this 175 pounds. I've maintained that ever since. And the rules of this thing are basically going to be whole 30. So it's a few simple rules. It's like unlimited vegetables and fruit, but in a two to one ratio, you know, some healthy proteins, healthy fats, you know, a little bit of quinoa or lentils, but you cut out all the grains, dairy, processed foods, extra sugars. So a couple of years went by and I found this book. Uh, I don't, I, I think I heard about it on Ben Greenfield Fitness Podcast. 
but the book is called Why oh, yeah. We Get Fat and Gary Taubes. Have you ever I've read, read it, this? man? Gary mm-hmm. Taubes. Have you? Oh man. Okay, so I'd like to just talk through the key takeaways from this book because the thing is, all the common knowledge says calorie in versus calorie out. If you want to lose weight, all you have to do is eat less and exercise more. And this book says there's this third factor that's way more important. So I'm going to ask a, a couple questions to you, Jock, here, and, and go ahead and play along with me. Um, so I want you to imagine like a 12-year-old girl hits puberty and uh, her hips get wider, her breasts get bigger. Um, she got more fat. What caused her to get more fat? Well, obviously, it's because she, um, she took in more calories than she burned. Uh, hormones. No. <laughs> hormones, exactly. <laughs> All right. So imagine that this uh, aspiring bodybuilder starts injecting himself with some testosterone. Is he going to gain weight? Uh, Most likely he would gain muscle. Yes. Yes. And is he going to be more hungry? Yes, he is. Okay. So he's going to gain weight. What caused both the weight gain and the hunger? Well, I think the answer is going to be the hormone testosterone. Hormones. Exactly. All right. And then this actually happened in my office. I had this 11-year-old girl in my office. She's an elite gymnast. She's practicing 16 hours a week, and she's getting injured as a result. Her mom comes in. Her mom is 5'10". Her dad comes in and drops her off one night or comes in with her. He's 6'4". So let me ask you a question. Do you think this girl is going to the Olympics for gymnastics? No. I don't think so either. Uh, what's going to keep her from going to the Olympics? Height. Her height. At some point, hormones are going to kick in. Yeah. Even, so even if she works out, you know, 16, 20 hours a week, even if she starves herself, when those hormones kick in, it's going to pull her up to where, where she's destined to be. So, I mean, what we just said is that hormones can make you fat. They can make you gain weight. They can make you hungry. And hormones are more powerful than eating less and exercising more. Again, that gymnast starves herself, works out 20 hours a week. They're going to pull her kicking and screaming. And so, yeah, powerful book. Once I read that book, it's like everything clicked on how to how to be as slim as I wanted to be. Yeah, I, I think the biggest problem with that book is that people will read it and say that calories don't matter at all. No. And my opinion is that they just maybe aren't quite as important as as we thought. So I agree there's a hormones play a huge role. It's not quite as simple as calories in, calories out, but that does not mean that that doesn't matter. And we're getting way into the weeds right now. And nutrition and health can be extremely controversial, right? Sure. Uh, <laughs> so that that's my, my opinion there, but I'm glad you brought it up as well. Okay. Do you have any other health hacks you already shared about cold showers? Yeah, I'll share a few. Yeah. And by the way, I would love to give you some homework, man. If you've never tried a cold shower, I would try it. Huh. I don't do it every day, but you feel amazing afterward well val does she does the hot shower and then the last minute she turns that's a good way to do it is that how you do it no i just do i just do it cold i just turn it on cold from the start and then i slowly get in there wash my hair and stuff really Uh, quickly and then and then get out it sounds horrific (laughs) it is horrific but i you know i in 2020 well maybe 2020 is not a good example but you know in general in this 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 world that we live in now especially, you know, Western United States, we don't experience a lot of pain, like uncomfortable. And it's, it's good for the mind. It's good for the body to be able to, to do that sometimes. So it would be good to at least try it and see how you feel. 
what's your actual assignment once a week or daily no no like like by the time we talk next okay do one All even right. if it's for, even if it's for 10 seconds man i'll do it even even if it's for 10 seconds um so yeah cold showers are, are pretty powerful I like a standing desk, right? I'm standing up right now as we talk. Are you are you standing right now? I can't really tell. Yes, I am. Yeah, so standing desks are not de- desks are nice. I mean, I have a um uplift desk that's uh, electrically can go up and down. So I- I've heard that it's not great to necessarily stand all day either. So I try to do a mix of both standing and sitting. So I don't think either one are great to do all day. Fasting, I think, is really really powerful. Old nutrition advice was like you know, eat six meals a day and all that. The newer research seems to promote or or say that fasting is good in certain circumstances. You know, this is, I'm not a doctor. You're, you're not a medical doctor. You know, we're we're not giving actual health advice here. I'm just telling you my opinion on, on things, but whether it's intermittent fasting, so an eight hour eating window, I do that just about every day, but I've, I've done three day fasts before. And there's some, the research shows there's some very powerful, like cancer fighting things that happen when you you do that you know the, the the fancy word is autophagy you've heard that word before i'm sure where it's like it again. autophagy autophagy that's the big thing that i'm getting way out of my wheelhouse now but that's one of the big reasons that you want to fast is cuz it actually cleans out like old things old cells in your body because your your body doesn't have to focus on digestion it's not worried about that it's like okay let's 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 do some spring cleaning when it doesn't get food for a while. I think that starts to happen around the 18 or 24 hour bark. That's why sometimes it's good to do these longer fasts. And it's also good for just mental clarity as well when you don't, you don't have to worry about eating what you're going to eat next or, or digestion. I find I think better when, I don't, when, I, when I'm on an empty stomach. A couple of supplements, vitamin D, oh yeah, extremely important. Something like a huge amount of Americans and people worldwide are just deficient in vitamin D. And there's there's all kinds of reasons for that. We just, as, as humans, we don't spend as much time in the sun as we used to. I've seen statistics where, where black people in particular are like 90 something percent of black people are deficient. And that's because they don't absorb vitamin D as much because of all the melanin in their skin. And so they need to worry about supplementing with vitamin D even more. And I've seen research about the amount of people that are in hospitals because of COVID, like 80 something percent of them are deficient in vitamin mm. D. And only like 3% of people that have issues with COVID have sufficient vitamin D. So I, I supplement with vitamin D every day. It's very, very important to me to do that. Always take magnesium before going to bed, huge help with, with sleep. And then let me share one more thing with you. This is like my ultimate health hack, and this might be pretty controversial. Okay. I'm going to grab it. This is this is pills. Can you see what that says? Yeah, I can see it. Grass-fed beef liver. Yeah. Man, I take these. Organ meats. Yeah, so I mean liver high quality organ meats are very good for you from what I've seen. But I can tell you just anecdotal evidence when I take this stuff I feel amazing for the next few hours. It's desiccated uh, like it's freeze-dried and then ground into a powder and put in pills cuz I don't like the taste of liver. But it's, it's really high quality grass-fed cows from New Zealand. The liver from it, it's just got so many nutrients, so many. And I'm like, I'm telling you, when I take that, I feel so good. So that's part of my routine as well. Mm-hmm. Those are awesome. So a couple others that come to mind for me, you know, as far as dealing with stress, I have shared 
in some past episode that there's a book called, it's also by Dale Carnegie, but it's called How yeah. to Stop Worrying and Start Living. And uh, I learned about that from this guy. Um, we were having people in my office write down the book they were most thankful for. And this guy came in and he wrote down a book he was most thankful for. And the guy, he was somebody that just seemed like he had everything in control in his life. So he had his own business, picture perfect family. His hobby was taking people up in his personal plane and letting them skydive out of it. But he wrote down this book, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. And I was so, so interested in the contrast between how confident he seemed. And that was the book he was most thankful for. I yeah. read it. I've shared it with so many people over the years. And people have come back and said it has stopped them from having panic, anxiety, depression. I mean, people have truly said it stopped panic attacks. So definitely recommend reading that book. I mean, a couple of the things that I would say are the key takeaways. Uh, there's a bunch of tips and tricks just to, to heal your mind and to not worry. But, you know, one of the ones that resonated with me is just if you're worrying about all these things that could happen, you know, in the day tomorrow, you know, it's basically just accept the true worst that could happen, realistically happen. And then rather than worrying about all these other things, just start to try to improve on that worst case situation. Also, for anybody that deals with depression, you know, the book would emphasize that if, if you want to have less depression, the big thing is to find ways to help others. And I mean, we're here talking to a group of online course creators. Obviously, you get to hear in these people's voices the satisfaction that comes with helping people all over the world reach some goal. I mean, I truly, if you look at me, I would say that one of my, if I have an addiction, one of them is just helping people. And it, it doesn't really matter in which way it is, but I love, love helping people. So did you ever no. end up reading that book, Jock? It's on. All right. There's your assignment. <laughs> I'll take a cold shower. I'll take okay. a cold shower and you can read the book. I don't know that I'll have it done by next week. Uh, I've got a lot going on over here, but All right. I'm going right. to prioritize that for you. All right. One last quick health tip. Um, there's a, a quote that I always remember if I have a problem going on in my body and I need to go see a provider. It's if your only tool is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. If your only tool is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And what that means is that if you go to a health provider, you can kind of guess what their main tools are and what the solution they're going to be is going to be in that small, usually pretty small set of tools. And so this is especially pertinent. Some people you know, they might have a back problem that could be helped with chiropractic care and they go to a surgeon. Well, what's the main, what's the surgeon's main tool? Surgery. It's surgery, a scalpel. And it's like, unless you're ready to actually proceed with surgery, um, you know, it's like, go see chiropractor, physical therapist first. I mean, it's like, sometimes people go to these, these uh, providers that are really, their main solution is very intense. And it would be uh, the equivalent of if you had a little rattle in your car, and you take it to the shop and it says, uh, you know, Ed's engine overhaul. We only do engine overhauls. <laughs> and you're like, ah, I have a little rattle. Like, I don't think I should walk in there. And so, you know, if you have a health problem, it, it, I would just say start with conservative first and then uh, work from there. And if you have any questions about chiropractic, you can shoot me a note. I have a bunch of bunch of videos on YouTube. All right. Finances. Uh, Jacques, uh, you've shared about paying off your house, but I was wondering if you could share the more specifics of your Dave Ramsey debt-free story. Yeah. So if anybody's not familiar with Dave Ramsey, the biggest thing that he advocates is his seven baby steps, right? So if you, no matter where you are with your finances, you want to walk through the baby steps. The first, you want to make sure 
first one's taken care of before you think about anything else. Then the second one, third one, there are a few exceptions to that, but in general, that's the process, right? And so the very first step is, hey, $1,000 emergency fund in the bank. And, um, and you know, what, like an example of an exception, if you just have very simple means or you just don't ever plan to have a lot of money, you, you live in a, a area expenses are very low. Okay. Maybe 500, but in general, thousand dollars in the bank. Step two is pay off all your debts besides, uh, besides your mortgage. You know, we, we didn't prepare for this. So hopefully I don't butcher the steps here. You might be able to correct me, but step three is then three to six months of, of expenses in an emergency in the fund in the bank. So, you know, you want to, you want to make sure you have all your debts paid off before you build up that, you know, 10, 15, 20, $25,000 emergency fund. Step four is retirement, fully fund your retirement accounts. Yeah. Retirement and then kids. And then step five is making sure you're putting money away for your kid's college. That was, that was five. So, and then step six is to pay off your mortgage. And step seven is to just build wealth and and give to charity um, and whatnot. And when you're, when you're at step seven, which is the end, it's like, okay, you have no debt, including your house. You have a paid for house. You're contributing to retirement. Your kids college is set. You have three to six months expenses in the bank. Like you're, you're in a pretty good position. I'll tell you like going into this pandemic when I wasn't sure what would happen with my business, you know, having that emergency fund, you know, we've got six months of personal expenses in an emergency fund and we've had, we've had it for quite a while. It's very, very reassuring to have that there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and personally I moved to Des Moines to start a chiropractic practice. I had $245,000 $245,000 in student loans and business startup debt. And I knew two people in town and all the things that I'd signed up for, the total expenses going out the door were about $15,000 a month. And here I'm trying to start a business. Yeah. I mean, so much stress. And, uh, you know, definitely Dave Ramsey's system. I, I, I tracked it down. I listened to his podcast every day. And uh, there was a point where I finally, well, really the the turning point as far as getting caught up on debt was when I started doing the lunch and learns, um, which ultimately set me financially free. But I paid off this $245,000 over, you know, a three year period. Um, Then it was kind of funny because I met my wife and and eventually we got married. And it's like uh, my main wedding present was another $65,000 in student loans uh, that she had accrued. But but got that paid off and yeah just can't can't recommend Dave Ramsey's system well enough. Um, Jacques, I did want to ask like, did you and your wife actually follow a, a personal budget that you kept track of and met on on a regular basis like he recommends? Yeah, we we really did. Um, we used Mint.com okay to manage that, and uh, we weren't we certainly weren't perfect, but we did try to follow you know Dave Ramsey's recommended budget system. And the biggest thing was just making sure you and your, your spouse were on the same page. You know, we were both on board with the, with the baby steps. You know, when we got to the point of paying off our mortgage, we had our budget and we're like, okay, we're going to spend this here, this here, and then everything else we're going to throw at this mortgage. And it wasn't just to do it. Like we had a plan. It's like, I've already created piano in 21 days, but it's not making enough to quit and she was working at the time too. Like our vision was she stays home with the kids. I work from home on my own business. And we knew that paying off our mortgage would do nothing but help that. There's no way it could hurt that. 
and we, we didn't have kids yet. Uh, we both had jobs. So why not put everything we possibly could toward that? And so budgeting and planning for that was essential there. Yeah. Um, as far as like in my life day to day, I would say wherever possible, put systems in place to prevent money fights and money problems. Um, so again, my wife and I are out of debt. Um, we have, we're dual income, no kids, but if we were going to have a fight about anything, it would probably be me spending money on bike, bike stuff. <laughs> and so when we got married, I was like, Hey, you know, are you cool with me? Just, uh, having this auto draft happen and it, it's pretty generous. So $500 goes from our combined account into this, this bike It is basically an account for bike, bike stuff and stupid gas station purchases, which, uh, for <laughs> listeners for a while, no, I'm not buying the monster energy, but yeah, you should. Yeah. Hopefully just, not monster drinks, just some silly, silly fun drinks, kombuchas that, that are kind of expensive. Just, just a little retail therapy, but you know, the goal with that is to not have fights about stuff. Well, Jacques, um, you recently had a, a, a big boost in your finances as your course did great during the pandemic. Um, are you able to share anything about your investment philosophy? Oh, like just like personal investments and, and whatnot? Yeah. So you're out of debt. Um, yeah. So another another resource that I, I do highly recommend is I Will Teach You To Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. Sure. Yeah. So that's that's a good one, man. It's um, it's a it's a slightly different perspective than than Dave Ramsey, but I like I, those are my top two like personal finance recommendations because one is you know this older old school guy um, who's obviously helped millions of people, and then the other one, Ramit Sethi, is is much younger, um, just a different mindset, and so they do align in a lot of areas, but there are some differences. It's it's in- interesting to hear different perspectives. Dave Ramsey has this this approach to investing where you split up your uh, investing among four areas like large, uh, larger company mutual funds, middle size, you know, international mutual funds. Whereas roommate Sethi is like, you know, if we want to keep things simple, like index funds, right? It's not, yeah. it's not necessarily managed by people. It just follows the S&P 500. And for the most part, you know, the returns have been pretty amazing over the past 80 years. And so um, I just, I'm, I'm a fan of simple in all walks of life. So in general, my retirement accounts are in certain index funds as opposed to these elaborate, you know, mutual fund schemes. I certainly don't buy individual stocks um, just in the name of simplicity. So I have, uh, my wife and I both have 401ks that just continue to grow. We don't contribute anything to those. Those are from our, from our, our previous jobs. And then as a small business owner, I've got a SEP IRA, SEP uh, IRA, which um, I contribute to and put that into index funds. Exactly. Yeah. And another resource, um, we're friends with John, or you're, you're friends with Jonathan. I'm just a fan. <laughs> Over at Choose FI. So Choose FI yeah. podcast is another great resource. And they're more along the lines of that index yes. fund investing. So you have talked quite a bit about profit first and how that's influenced you. For the listeners, if they want to go back to episode 23, that's where you did a more comprehensive review of Profit First. But do you want to give a quick pitch for Profit First and how it, I guess, especially focusing on how it changed how you did business and how it's helped you? Yes. So when I started a business, nobody gave me an instruction, just like with kids, like nobody gave me an instruction manual. Like, here's how to manage your finances in your business. Here's how to raise kids and get them to sleep and not talk back to you. Um, you got you to gotta figure out the best resources and people to learn from. 
And so when I started my business, I start, I had one bank account. In fact, I think it started off as a personal bank account. Eventually I switched it to a business bank account, but everything ran out of that one bank account. And so when funds were really tight, I would really buckle down and cut expenses and freak out. And when that one bank account had a, more money in it, I'd be like, this is amazing. My business, I'm going to be a millionaire and I would spend more money on my, on my business. And that's just not a healthy way to run a business out of one bank account. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's not good. And a lot of people do that. If far bigger businesses than mine do that. And so the, the main thing is, like, hey, let's break this out. Have one, one account that's revenue. And then once a week, twice a month, once a month, like take a certain percentage, you know, take 20%, 25% and move it to a dedicated tax account. Take you know X percent and move it over to a dedicated expenses account, and all your expenses come out of that, and nothing else happens. You know, have a salary account and then a profit account. Um, those are the main ones, and then depending on your business, you could have extra ones, and you have a dedicated percentage of revenue that goes into those accounts. And then you know, you look at the expenses account; it's like you don't spend any money. That's it's it's pretty it's pretty simple. And then you know, you've got your salary account. It's like okay, that's what you can take home, nothing more. And then it actually allows you to have actual profit. He recommends you pull out half of what's in the profit account every quarter. And then, you know, he, he's, I keep saying he, Mike Michalowicz, the, the, the writer and creator of the Profit First system, says that as business owners, we don't allow our business to serve us enough, right? You usually get some sort of quarterly or yearly bonuses when, you, when you're working for somebody. So wh- why not have that as a business owner as well? So that's what that profit account is for, is like quarterly bonuses to yourself for the hard work you've done as the business owner. So that in a nutshell, that's what the profit first system is. When I when I signed up for this new bookkeeper in January, who I had on the podcast, you always come prepared with what the podcast episodes were, what number they were, but Evolve Finance, Parker Stevenson came on the podcast. I've been using them since the beginning of this year. They're phenomenal. If you're making at least six figures with your online business, I highly recommend you outsource your bookkeeping to these guys are they're awesome. But he's he's tried to get me away from the profits first system and he's got some pretty interesting reasons as to why, but I'm not letting go, man. It's it's just it's worked so well. I don't want to go backwards and I'm I'm still using it despite my bookkeeper's advice. Nice. Yeah. Well, I mean the way that I describe it, you know, if you had a five-person business, you'd have like let's say you'd have a CFO, a chief financial officer or a controller and then you would have like the IT guy. And the IT guy always wants newer computers, newer cameras. And he would go to the financial officer or the controller and be like, hey, can I have $6,000 to spend on some upgraded computer? And the controller would be like, no, <laughs> like you don't get to buy that shiny object. Like you, what you have works. When you're the only person in the business, um, like in the early episodes of the podcast, yeah. I heard you like, you're like, yeah, we had a really good month. I'm going to buy a new laptop. And it's like, you know, the part of you that was kind of the the IT geek was like, yeah, I had a good month. I could buy this. And so instead of doing that, uh, when it's just a single person, you let the system be your controller. And yeah, I haven't actually read it. I need you to, haven't. Okay. More homework, but, David. Yeah, you got to read great. profit first. <laughs> <laughs> In the yes, cold, take shower. A cold shower and read profit first at the same time, please. Oh my gosh. That's going to be awful. All right. So with career, uh, my biggest career tip if you're listening to this, would be to uh, join the online course accelerator. Or if you already have a course, to join Next Level Courses. What do you think? How could I disagree with that? 
that sounds like some pretty good advice. Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. Those are, those are the two programs that I'm currently offering, um, over at the online course guy.com. So thanks for mentioning that. Yeah. The other thing, um, if you're there and you're in a career that you're not happy in, um, I'm somebody that's watching like the trends of, of what's coming and there's a lot of automation coming. There's a lot of changes. And so, you know, when I talk to my nieces and nephews, as they get to be 15 to 18 years old, I'm like, you, you need to think about careers that are going to be around for the next 50, 60 years and really make a decision. And so for some of the people out there listening, it's like, if the career you're in is going to ultimately get, um, you know, kind of hijacked by automation anyway, it's like, you know, start to take action to, to jump to something new. Um, the other thing I'd mention is that we've had some really neat things on this podcast. Um, so you, you helped Jonathan Mendonca start his course on podcasting. Mm -hmm. And uh, he has this whole website called Talent Stacker. And he's, so he's putting together a whole group of courses, online courses that help people actually switch careers. So right now he has the how to start a podcast course. And then he has a course on how to, how to maintain a Salesforce system. And I looked at it and people are in like three months getting a job for $80,000 mm -hmm. as a Salesforce maintainer. Jason Dion, who was just on a couple episodes, you know, he teaches people some of these certifications, this security certification that it sounds like could take somebody and in a, in a period of months have them making, I don't know what the number is, fifty dollars to $100,000 doing IT security. And so, um, you know, I mean, the, it's just cool. There's those opportunities out there and a couple of them have been on the podcast. But for you, Jacques, I do want to just say like, I mean, it's really cool the way that you actually have been able to help both of those people then go out and help other people choose a career that works. There's a quote, it's actually by the founder of chiropractic. And it says, we never know how far reaching something we may think, say, or do today will affect the lives of millions tomorrow. So we never know how far reaching something we may think, say, or do today will affect the lives of millions tomorrow. And that's by BJ Palmer. And so, uh, yeah, I just, you know, appreciate the fact that you're, you're helping people help other people. Thanks, David. You know, Jonathan is, is like obsessed with, uh, with online courses now. That's why he's got two, you know, four months ago, he didn't have any. And he's, uh, he's amazing at building an audience. You know that like you're, you're in his audience. Yes. He's uh, you know, a podcast is actually a great way to build an audience. That's how I built this audience. And an online course is a great way to monetize that audience, right? Historically, he just monetized it through affiliate links and, and ad spots and whatnot. But now he's becoming good at you know, he's, he's always been good at building the audience, but now he's got an awesome way to monetize it even more all the while helping them even more serving them exactly. at a different level. So not only did his, he create his course on, on podcasting, um, but he's, he's since created another course to help people with, with making money as, as well. And that's, he set up, he's, he's got one offer, he's got one funnel and it's, it's working really well for him. And I completely agree with that career advice. I mean, I'm, I'm a business owner. I hire people. I couldn't care less about the college degrees, right? I mean, I guess it depends on what position, but so far it, it hasn't mattered to me, right? You know, Colleen is, is my, she's my director of operations. Well, guess what? She's a certified OBM. She went through that six month program. She's a certified OBM's online business manager. She's a certified direct DOO, director of operations. Like she went through these programs, learned these things three to six months and that plus some experience is what makes somebody qualified for a job. I mean, even Google is switching. Like, I'm sure you saw that. We may have even talked about it on the podcast mm -hmm. before, but they're, they have, they made an announcement a couple months ago where it's like, 
hey, we're not looking at college degrees anymore. We're looking at these six-month certifications. Now, it's they, it's their certifications, but imagine if you could spend six months and then get a job at Google rather than four years, right? And I think that's where things are trending is more of these really, um, really focused on a topic certifications. And whereas a, a undergraduate degree is a lot of wasted time and very, very expensive. And there's a lot of reasons for that, which I got to talk about for a while, but probably not the right setting. <laughs> but, you know, I, I would I would really caution people. It's like, if you're not happy with your job, don't necessarily be like, oh, I need to go back to school and get another degree or get a degree in the first place. It's like, look at some of these certifications and little online programs that you could get. Because um, I'm telling you, as a business owner, that's that's what I really like to see. Exactly. All right. Well, I'd ask you if you were able to look back at any past goal setting activities. So, so that's basically the main things we went through. Uh, you know, some of these hacks for uh, relationships, health, finances, and career. Were you able to look back and find any goal setting activity that you did years ago? Well, I mean, I kind of mentioned the the mortgage thing already. Like that was part of the plan. We had a plan to go and, and do that. The plan was for for always for me to to quit my job and do this full time. What, what other kinds of things are you thinking about? Mm, I just thought that you might have actually had a set of written out goals from like 2012 <laughs> or something that would have been really interesting to actually like just see if there was anything funny in there. I might. Um, I would have to go back and look for next time. Right now, I just have, you know, my, my 2020 goals are posted up here. I had my 2019 ones up there. Man, that's such a long time ago. Now, like I got what happened in 2018. I don't, I don't even remember. So 2012, no, no shot. What's on the list off to your side that uh, you're like, whoa, that was written before the pandemic. What's the most interesting thing up there? Well, it's not necessarily pandemic related. Uh, I would say that, you know, build up one thing on there is build up an eight week uh, pipeline for the podcast. And uh, we're at about like three right now, which is better than we were doing before when I wrote that goal. But I feel like eight might be too much because sometimes it's fun to have a little bit of like current events built in. And if you're Mm -hmm. eight weeks ahead, it's not as relevant sometimes, you know, like exactly. We're coming up on um Thanksgiving here in the US next week and uh but by the time people listen to this, it, Thanksgiving will be a week behind us. So, it's um where ex- like exactly how many episodes should be in the pipeline I'm still working on, but I think it should be more like 3 to 4. I haven't gone and updated my goal sheet yet. Nice. Well, I was able to find this whole I mean, I worked through exact, especially the, pretty much this exercise way back in 2009, and it kind of got set aside. It was just stored in a, a on a file in a computer, but I found it like a year ago, and it was really cool to look at the takeaways because, especially, I had done that exercise of saying what I was looking for in my wife, and uh, so you know these things. It's like I said, I was looking for somebody active, spontaneous, positive, intelligent, agnostic adventurous, responsible, musical, non-materialistic, and dog-friendly. And it was so cool because I was able to take that to my wife, uh, Val, and just be like, honey, like you really are my dream. Like You're, you're perfect. And so it was just, uh, that was probably the most fun thing was that I actually had this written down vision board, goal-setting type of exercise. And uh, ultimately, it did end up helping me find, find the perfect woman. So it's fun to fun to show her that. That's amazing. That's really cool that you're able to do that. Well, so in conclusion, uh, at the beginning, I said, you know, there's not a post-it note that you would put up on your mirror that says you're a good person. 
you try hard that's going to get get rid of your stress or make your make your goals happen. Um, I guess I would say if there is a post-it note you put up on your mirror, it should be get her done. You know, I mean, change is hard. You know, sometimes sometimes we're not happy with where we're at, but we're comfortable. One of Dave Ramsey's co- quotes, he says, we could be like a toddler in a soiled diaper who says, I know it smells bad, but it's warm and it's mine. So, so you can be comfortable, but not in the ideal place. And so, you know, I just encourage you to truly take action on this, you know, write out the list, uh, access that free download and, and work through it. You know, Jacques, he shares, uh, or there's a link shared for the podcast each week. If somebody wants to share a goal in there, in the Facebook group below the this podcast, I mean, it'd be fun to see what you're going to commit to doing in the next two to five years. But other than that, I just hope that this provided some inspiration and I appreciate the opportunity to share it, Jacques. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. I think there's a lot of value here. Sometimes it's fun to kind of step back away from just the nitty gritty of courses and think about more, more life and, and living the best possible life in general. And that's, that's exactly what we did here. Four steps. This is Dr. K's four steps to eliminate stress and take control of your life. A lot of good stuff here. Really appreciate it. All these, the links, show notes, like podcast episodes we recommended. And then the, the download you're talking about here, you can find those at the, the show notes page, oc.show slash 158. So just go there, go to a browser, oc.show slash 158, and that'll redirect you to a much longer, uh, much longer address. So trying to make it easy for you guys there. And then it's fun to continue the conversation with listeners. And the, the place to do that right now is in the, is in the Facebook group. It's not going to be a Facebook group forever. But right now it's, it's called the Online Course Community. You can search that on Facebook or you can go to the onlinecourseguy.com and click on community at the top. Or let's keep it real simple. Go to oc.show slash 158. There's your show notes. There's all your links. And then once you're there at the top of there, there's going to be a community link. I think a lot of listeners are in that group already. But if for some reason you are listening to this and you're a fan of the podcast and are not in that group, then please do join. And then when we move it off to somewhere else, you will be, you'll be in the know there as well. And you can join us on whatever that other platform is going to be. Dude, I don't know. I don't know about moving the community off of Facebook. Well, we'll see. Is that a final decision? Well, m- more to come. So it's definitely going to move. All right. d- there's definitely going to be an off, off Facebook community. The question is, do we also remove the Facebook one, right? Does that make sense? So, yeah. all right, man, is that is that it? That's it. That's the talk, man. Awesome stuff. I've got a ton of notes here. I've got, we both have homework after this. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, people listening to this were able to maybe take some notes or, or listen to it multiple times here. One other note, one other thing I wanted to share before we get out of here is that for the first time in many months, I'm doing a live webinar kind of launch or relaunch this week for my piano course. And this will be my first time kind of pre-selling my new my new stack, my new offer. So that's coming up here this week. So hopefully I'll have some some updates for you in the audience uh, next time we talk about how that went. Awesome. <laughs> <All right. Sorry. laughs> I thought you'd be more excited than no, that. No, I'm excited. Uh yeah, I'm I'm all excited to become an affiliate for you. So I'm excited. I know you I'm chopping at the bit. <laughs> I'm planning this commercial. I'm planning I'm planning this ad. I got it all planned out. I've started recording footage. So I'm excited to be an affiliate and see if I can get anybody to buy your Yeah, course. man, I bet you can. You 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 might be my top affiliate here one day. I know you asked for uh, an affiliate link and I said, Well, hey, I might be moving my affiliate software soon. So let's wait for that. Let's wait for the new stuff to come out. But uh you, you texted me the other day that you filmed a little <laughs> bit of footage for for this promotion that you've got cooking up. So I'm excited to see what that is. All right. So that's going to do it. 
oc.show slash 158. Until next time, go out there and create some next level courses. What's the end? Tell me the end. That are not just information, but transformation. But transformation. Love it. Dr. K, thanks so much. Everybody out there, thank you. We'll catch you next time. (laughs) 